0: I invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading. We'll be reading from the book of Galatians. Let's read God's good word together. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been so focused on making something perfect that you completely missed the thing you were actually making, the reason you were actually trying to make it perfect, the thing that you were actually focused on? You get so focused on all of the details and making sure everything goes the way you want it to and that everybody's having a good time, which is just a sure recipe for success, right? I mean, that, that always works. And then all of a sudden you realize that the very thing that, you, that was so important has just passed you by, Right? Whenever you've got friends over and you're so focused on making sure that they have a good time and that they have everything that they need and everything comes out at the right time and you realize by the end of the night that you didn't talk to them at all because you're so busy making sure that they had a good time. Or it's the big family dinner and you've got to, everyone's got to be, um, you know, at the table at the right time and everybody's got to bring the stuff that they've said that they would bring. And then when it's time for dessert, that's got to happen and things have to get cleaned up and, and you realize that, that everything has gone exactly the way it was supposed to, or maybe it doesn't. I don't think those nights actually exist, but, but it's been pretty close, but everyone's so mad at each other because they've been sniffing at each other to get all the details right that, that nobody's happy or that perfect family vacation, right? When you are going to have a good time, I don't care if you like it or not. And so you've got everything you're going to do, and you're so busy rushing from this thing to the next and seeing all of the sights and experiencing all of the experiences that by the end, even the adults are crying. Sometimes we get so focused on, on the things about the thing that's important that we miss the thing itself. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're starting a new sermon series, Ancient Wisdom for Anxious Times. And uh, as I saw those, uh, those different uh, anxiety-inducing topics coming up, I felt my blood pressure rise a little bit during the bumper video. But uh, there are a lot of things going on that, um, that cause us anxiety. There are a lot of things going on in the world that are unsettling. And so we're seeking solid ground, and, and you know we want to uh, we want to be able to focus on the things that actually matter. You know, whenever we have a family dinner, we don't want to be so focused on all of the things that go around it, making sure that all of the food is perfect, that everyone's manners are perfect. If anyone knows how to do that, let me know. I've not gotten there yet, but we get so focused on that that the dinner was great, and the family just is ready to get away from each other by the time that it's over. Right? Have you ever been there? That's what we're trying to avoid. And, and so in anxious times, you know, whether it's family dinner, whether it's filling up your gas tank, whether it's figuring out you know, how you're going to continue from day to day um, in the economy as it is, in, time, in anxious times, we need solid ground to stand upon. We need something that we can so- stand upon that doesn't feel like it's about to fall out from underneath us. And so as we go through this series, we're going to be looking at the, the book of Galatians. Paul's writing to an audience that's going through some anxious times and, that can help us to know how to stand in times like these. And so this is one of the verses we'll come back to. Um, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, and so what we're going to be talking about is how we can stand firm in the midst of the ancient times in, that we find ourselves in, and how we can be set free. And, and so I wonder for you, you know, today as you think about your life, what are the things that that are holding you in bondage? What are the things that you need to be set free from? You might think about that as we're going through this series. And, and so we're looking at Paul's letter to the Galatians, uh, the book of Galatians. And uh, just to give you a little bit of background so you know kind of who he was writing to, this is, you know, uh, we're, we're reading other people's mail. That's one of the interesting things about a lot of the New Testament is they are letters. Uh, Paul was writing to actual people, and so we're kind of overhearing their conversation. Uh, we're, or we're overhearing one side of the conversation. We don't have uh, any letters that they sent back. But, but Galatia was uh, not a city, but kind of a, a region. It was a Roman province in what today is... Central Turkey, and so you can see kind of uh, the right in the center of the map um, you can see the region of of Galatia, and so it is pretty kind of long and narrow, and it included some of the towns like Lystra and Iconium and um, and Derby, and and those are areas that Paul traveled in. And so, um, if if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you probably know that he traveled, he started churches, and he taught in places like Galatia. And so he would go and and he would start churches. He w- he would tell people the gospel that had been um, that he'd received from Christ, and they would many would. Follow Jesus. And so he would go on and uh, continue traveling and do the same thing in other places. And so we read in, in the book of Acts, it tells us the story of the early church. We read some of the encounters that Paul had whenever he was traveling in Galatia. And so here, here's just a few of those. The same thing occurred in Iconium, where Paul and Barnabas went into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, the apostles learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued proclaiming the good news. And, and so that's, uh, that's from Acts chapter 14, and then in, in Acts chapter 23, after spending some time there, he departed, Paul departed, and went from place to place through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. And so we get just kind of the the snippets of, of what Paul's ministry was like there, but he started churches, and then um, after he did that, after he would travel on, he would write letters back, and he would encourage them, he would continue to teach them, and sometimes he would correct them if they've gotten off path. Then uh, then he would um, then he would send back correction and help them to get back on the right path. And so uh, this is one of probably one of the earliest letters that um, that Paul ever wrote. Uh, Some different scholars think either this one or First Thessalonians may have been the oldest, which means these these are the oldest documents in the New Testament, but written sometime around the year 50. Some people would put it at 48. Um, some people would put it in the mid-50s, but sometime around then, around um, 20 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And so, uh, so that's kind of the background and, uh, and the specific occasion that Paul is writing for. Of course, whenever you send someone a letter, um, usually there's an occasion around it. Sometimes it, it's a birthday card, right? Those are fun to, to open, especially if they've got um, cash inside that you can go and spend somewhere. But uh, this was not written. For a happy occasion, the, the Galatians did not get a birthday card from Paul. I mean, maybe they did. That's lost to history. If they did, that's not what this letter is, though. And so, uh, so typically, just to give you some kind of background um, into how letters work, they, they weren't written in exactly the same way as um, as they are today. You know, probably not very surprising that that things have changed over two thousand years. Um, but they they typically begin um, with a greeting, and so you'd say first you'd say who the letter's from. Um, you know, instead of at the end, like we do today. Kind of think of it as like as ancient letterhead. And so, oh, it's, it's a letter from Paul. And it, it began with a greeting, and then there was an expression of thanksgiving. That's kind of the usual thing. And as you read these, what, what you read in those first few verses, a lot of times they'll, they'll address the very things that Paul's going to expand upon later in the letter. And so just in those first few verses of any of his letters, you really get a glimpse of what's most important. What are the things that he's going to be talking about at length. And so just to give you an example, this is what that looks like in the book of Philippians. He, he, um, it starts off with Paul and who he's traveling with and writing with uh, Timothy. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you start out, you get who the letter's from and then who it's, whom it's to, and, um, and then the, um, the, the greeting grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after that, so that's the greeting, then you get the thanksgiving, what Paul's giving thanks for. And, and this one is it, it's actually pretty long. This is just the first verse, but he says, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And so you see, Paul's really giving thanks. That's a nice thing to say. I, I give thanks every time I remember you praying with joy in every one of my prayers. And uh, wouldn't that be nice if someone wrote you a letter that said that? That'd be kind of cool. Maybe you can send somebody that letter today. But, uh, but what he talks about is joy. And joy comes up throughout the letter of the Philippians. It's kind of one of the central themes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That comes from um, the book of Philippians. If you learned that one in VBS when you were a kid. Uh, I know that, uh, that's where I learned that verse. Um, So that's that's how he starts in Philippians, uh, and that's kind of typical of his letters. And uh, this is how, just to, to set that up, this is what it looks like in the book of Galatians. So he starts off by introducing himself, Paul an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the members of God's family. And so um, all the members of God's family who are with me. And so probably what that means uh, in the other letter you saw, he, introduced, he said Paul and Timothy. Uh, probably that means that other people were not known to the churches in Galatia that Paul was with at that time. And uh, he also starts off, and so we didn't see this in the book of Philippians. He says, Paul an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And, and so really early on, what do you see that, that he's emphasizing is the authority with which he teaches. And so that'll be one of the central themes that'll come up throughout this book, and, uh, and in fact, in just a few churches. And so that's who the letter's from. Who's it to? To the churches of Galatia. And then, and then comes the greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to set us free. And uh, you saw that in Galatians 5.1. Freedom is a topic that comes up a lot, and so he's setting that up here. To set us free from the present age according to the will of God, of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And, and so that, that's kind of the, the greeting, um, the, who is from, who is to, and then, and then the greeting. and uh, And then comes the thanksgiving, right? Well, Galatians is interesting because... Whenever Paul's writing to the Galatians, he actually finds nothing to give thanks for. And uh, anyway, you, you feel pretty good if you receive a letter like this. So, so you get that grace and peace to you in, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what's next? I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. That is kind of like, you know, you get up, you walk up to the people that you live with, and then you're immediately like hit with something, and you're just like, Okay, good morning. Nice to see you. And uh, I just kind of wonder that these letters would be read aloud as the people gathered together. They didn't, you know, they didn't have copies to distribute. And so I just wonder like, oh, wow, well, a letter from Paul. Okay, here we go. This is, this guy's not happy with us. And so basically Paul says, look, you, you are deserting the gospel. You're deserting God, the one who, who proclaimed this good news to you and welcomed you into the family of Christ. And, and so the, the occasion for this letter is that, uh, is that there have actually been rival missionaries, people who have come in after Paul and started teaching um, the Galatians to follow the Jewish practice of circumcision. That was the mark of the covenant by which, um, by which men would be marked as, as members of the covenant family of um, of. Israel. And, uh, and so that wasn't something that Paul um, required of people. And, and yet there were other people who were like, that's great that you're following Jesus. That's awesome. And now, you know, Jesus was Jewish. And so to become part of his faith, you need to fully become uh, part of the Jewish faith. And so we don't know the specifics of what they were teaching. It may have been that they were just focusing on that. It may have also been that they were teaching that really to follow Jesus, you needed to, um, to keep all 613 of the commandments from the Torah. And so th- it may have been, but basically they're saying, you know, you really need to follow the law if you're going to follow him Um, jesus was a jewish messiah you need to yourselves become jewish which um, you know is an understandable thing for them to think um, but that's not um, that's not what god was doing that's not what paul had taught them and and so um, basically for these people who had recently began to follow jesus the missionaries claims undermined their new way of life because they'd really, you know, left everything behind. They trusted what Paul had taught them. And now someone else was coming. And it was like, actually, that guy didn't know fully what he was talking about. And, and so they're finding themselves kind of adrift. Like, okay, if, if Paul didn't know what he was talking about, like, what, what can we trust from what he told us if he didn't tell us everything? And, and some of them found this compelling and, and started, you know, listening to these rival missionaries, started deciding, okay, I guess we need to, to follow all the commands of the law. And uh, this is what, uh, what New Testament scholar Richard Hayes says about, about their response. He says, one of the reasons the Galatians, uh, why the Galatians found the message of the missionaries tempting is that it offered the apparent security of fixed rules and structures. And I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but, you know, if, if you're feeling kind of insecure, if you're feeling like you're not really sure, you know, how you're supposed to act, what you're supposed to do, it's nice to have rules to fall back on. Or if you've got to give someone bad news, like, it's nice if you can blame it on the policy, right? Look, I know this wasn't the answer that, uh, that you wanted, my hands are tied company policy, I'm sorry, right? You know, that way you don't have to own it, it's someone else's fault, it's nice whenever you're finding yourself in those, anxious, in those anxious situations to have something that you can lean on. And so you know, it's understandable maybe that they were, they were going this way, that they were choosing to listen to these people who were teaching contrary to Paul because you know, whenever you are feeling anxious, it's nice to have something that you know, is really clear, that uh, is fixed, and, and things that you can rely upon. But uh, one of the things that we see throughout this letter, and uh, we'll talk about, come back to this in the coming weeks, but his chief concern throughout this letter is that Jesus' faithfulness on the cross is the source of salvation, not anything that humans do. It's all about what Jesus did, and it's not about, uh, it's not about circumcision. It's not about our obedience to the law. It's all about what he did. And so really the reason that, that he's, you know, he's not just saying, actually, um, you know, what they taught you is not entirely correct. I mean, he comes out and just kind of blasts them, but because it really it's crucial to the gospel. It's, it's what Jesus did that saves us, not what we do. And, and so that's why he's, um, he's arguing so vehemently. And to teach them this, to really emphasize them this, what he does is he tells them the source of his gospel. And uh, he would also say that it's not his gospel, it's the gospel, the gospel of Christ. And uh, he's just the one who's teaching it. But it's not something that he came up with on his own. He didn't just invent it. It's something that was revealed to him. And so this is, this is what he says in uh, verses 11 and 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is something that, that was given directly to him by christ not something that someone else taught him he didn't pick it up from peter one day whenever they were um, hanging out they hadn't actually hung out before uh, before he started his ministry and so uh, that you know obviously was not the case it was something that christ revealed to him directly and uh, and it came to him in an interesting place because if you know anything about paul's background you know that before becoming a follower of jesus he saw christians as threat to traditional Jewish beliefs. He saw the people who were following this new Messiah as people who were being led astray, and he, he, this was something that had to be stamped out, that had to be gotten rid of, using violence if necessary. And uh, you know, he sat by and watched as as, as, um, as Stephen was was stoned to death by people who were upset by this gospel that was being proclaimed. And and so Paul tells the the people of Galatia about his background. He says, you've heard no doubt of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. And so that that was Paul's background. He's an unlikely person to become the leader of the church and the author of almost half of the New Testament. And yet that's the one who God chose. And and so we read about the story of how did he become a Christ follower. We read about that in Acts chapter 9. And and so one day while he was traveling to Damascus, he was going to arrest Christians there. Uh, Paul encountered Jesus on the road. And and so this is what it says. As Paul was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they had heard the voice, but saw no one. And so Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. And so Paul was... He was in a place where he thought he knew what God wanted him to do. It was clear to him that this new faith was a threat and needed to be gotten rid of. And as he was traveling to do what he thought was the right thing, the thing that was in line with the tradition that had been taught to him, he encountered Jesus on the road. He he was struck blind by an encounter of the one that he was persecuting. I mean, do you think that would mix you up a little bit? Like, okay, okay. This is not what I expected. You are not supposed to be able to talk to me. They killed you. And yet here he was appearing to Paul on the road. And after meeting with Jesus, Paul realizes that he has placed tradition above what God was doing in Christ. You know, I mean, you can imagine what was going on in Paul's, in Paul's head like, no, I know that this is wrong because God said so. Like, I know what God said, and yet here, here God's telling me something new. And it's like, you know, have you ever been in that place where you're like, no, God, I, I don't need you to tell me what to do because I already know you told me this. And God's like, okay, I, I'm telling you now. I mean, have you ever been in, the, in that place with your kids? Like, like, They're like, no, you told me that I'm not supposed to do this. And it's like, okay, I'm telling you right now. Who is the parent? right? Forget what your interpretation of what you think I said last time. I'm telling you this. That's kind of where Paul found himself. Like, no, I'm not going to do what you're saying, God, because I I know that that you told me, that that you told us in the scriptures. And yet Paul realized that that everything, the way that he had understood it was not what God was doing now. God was doing something new. And he had to let go of his previous understanding to be able to receive that. This is what, um, what theologian and evangelism scholar Elaine Heath, uh, how she puts it. She says, the tradition behind the tradition that Paul, that Paul discovered begins in Eden with God's promise of salvation to Adam and to Eve. It moves forward with God's promise to the great flood and on to the calling of Abram and Sarai to be a blessing to the whole earth. All of this happens before the Hebrew tradition exists, long before Moses, the exodus, or the giving of law. Um, did you, ever think about, did you ever think about the fact Noah isn't even Jewish? Like, that, that wasn't even a thing yet whenever Noah lived. That's kind of interesting, huh? I know, stuff that makes you scratch your head. Anyway, we'll, we'll leave that aside for now. But Paul thought that he was protecting the tradition when in actuality there was a greater tradition uh, behind it, and it wasn't about protecting the purity of the faith. It was about God redeeming the world, about completing what, what, what went wrong in Eden, about setting God's people free. And that's what Paul realized. He got brought into this greater tradition behind the tradition. Because what happens whenever we put our tradition above the reason for the tradition? We create an idol. We create an idol, right? I mean, it's like whenever you're, you're planning a family dinner. What's family dinner about? Is it about the dinner? No, it's about, it's about family. What, what are family traditions about? Are they about the traditions? No, they're, they're about the family. The, the tradition is the thing that helps us to build our family, to, to connect together. And, and yet, whenever we get those backwards, whenever we make the family tradition about the tradition itself, then we get things backwards. And whenever we get our preferences about our life of faith, about our preferences about the way that we worship, the way that we think things ought to be, whenever we put those before what God is actually doing, then we create an idol. I wonder in your life, are, are there places where you've put the reason that you've put the tradition above the reason for the tradition, where you've put the things that surround the thing above the thing itself? Because whenever we do that, we create idols. And so what changed that? What, what enabled Paul to get out of that was encountering Jesus. And whenever he encountered Jesus, the, his encounter with Jesus changed not only his entire life, completely changed the direction of it, he went from, from somebody who was trying to, to violently arrest followers of Jesus to, to really becoming one of the leaders, and it changed the world forever. Because 2,000 years later, across an ocean, there are people who are gathering in Jesus' name to worship him, largely in, because of what Paul did. And so this is, this is how Paul accounts for that change. He says, When God, who had set me apart before I was born, called me through his grace, he was pleased to reveal his Son to me so that I might proclaim him, among the Gentiles, And this is how he describes the, the teaching that he received, the gospel that he received. He said, I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me, right? Because if you're going to learn the gospel, who would you go to? The people in Jerusalem, the, the headquarters of the church at that time, to learn from people like Peter and James. But that's not where he went. He, he, he received his gospel from, from Christ, and then he went away at once into Arabia and afterwards returned to Damascus. So um, where Paul went, we, he doesn't give an account of what happened there. Um, he associates, later in the book of Galatians, he associates Arabia with the place where Mount Sinai was. And so it may have been that he was going into the wilderness um, in the same way that Moses went to Mount Sinai to, to hear God's word, to, to really retreat, to seek God's guidance for his new life, to, to step away from, from people and just focus on his relationship with God, to actually hear where God would leave him after he'd had this amazing experience where his entire life was shaken up whenever it felt like the ground was falling away from underneath him, to figure out what is the solid ground that I could stand upon. And after that, it's only three years later that Paul actually goes to Jerusalem to consult with the other apostles. And so this is what he says, Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's the Aramaic form of Peter's name, to visit Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. And so Paul spends this time not not trying to get taught by humans, but to hear God's voice and to learn to follow it. Not just to take the tradition as he'd received it, but to actually hear God speaking through that tradition and to lead him in a new way. And so this is, Dr. Heath again says, over the years of his own pilgrimage with the risen Christ, Paul learns to listen to and cooperate with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It's something that he learns, to actually walk with the Spirit, to hear God's voice, and, and that's what he what he teaches to us as well. The source of Paul's authority was not himself. It wasn't how right he was. It was his direct experience with Jesus. It was the source itself, the one who actually gives us, who gives us life. And, and you know, often we're suspicious of people who claim to hear directly from God, right? Like if your neighbor comes by and is like, hey, uh, you know, I, kinda, I need some more land. God told me that you needed to deed your property over, property over to me so I could expand my compound a little bit, and uh, I, do not, uh, I can pay you a dollar for that. It's like, no, I, I don't think God... God didn't tell me that, so I'm not trusting what you said, right? We're kind of suspicious of that sometimes. But but it's actually possible for us. In the same way that Paul heard from God, maybe we're not going to hear that, uh, we're not going to get struck blind and, and knocked off of our donkey on the way to Damascus, but we can actually learn to hear the Holy Spirit's leading in our daily lives. Uh, that may not be a voice that we hear audibly, might not, uh, hopefully it doesn't make us blind. Uh, I think, you know, Paul was pretty hard-headed. God needed to get his attention. But we can learn to actually hear the Spirit leading us, helping guide us as we go through our days, helping encourage us whenever we're finding ourselves in those places where it feels like our lives are falling apart, where it feels like the ground is falling away beneath us. We can actually learn to hear God's voice. And... uh Again, this is what Dr. Heath says about that. She says the mystical element of spirituality is vital, that element of learning to, to experience communion with and hearing God's voice. It's vital to knowing and loving God and to loving and serving our neighbors. Because without it, whenever Paul was without it, what he had was a tradition that made him violent. He, he wanted to protect his own tradition, and, and in doing so, he, he missed the very core of the law, loving his neighbors. He was persecuting his Christian neighbors instead of loving them. And without that relationship with God, without that, that direct hearing from God, he, he went astray. And each of us needs that. We need to actually be able to experience, to hear from, to talk to God, so that we're not just hearing the tradition that's handed to us, so that it's not just words on paper, but it's actually God's living word to us. And whenever we do that, whenever we learn to walk with the Holy Spirit, it enables us to stand firm, even when the ground is falling away beneath us. Because what we find, Paul thought that he could find security in keeping the tradition perfectly, but he actually found that that what kept him secure, what helped him to stand when it seemed like nothing was going right, was not something, it wasn't a set of laws, it wasn't knowledge, it was someone. It was the one who appeared to him on the road to Damascus, it was Christ, and Christ continues to be present to us through the Holy Spirit. And so whenever we are are looking for something to hold on to, anything that can help us to stand firm, the Spirit is there, encouraging, whispering, and guiding. And so here's some action steps that I want to encourage you to take this week as, as we seek to live this out. First, I want to challenge you to read Galatians 1 this week. And uh, and to actually, as we're going through this, actually read it for yourself and and hear the experience that that Paul had that he shares with the people of Galatia and the churches there so that you can experience that for yourselves. And uh, if you're looking for a way to do that, if you subscribe, if you download our app and um, turn on notifications so you get the daily reading and reflection every day, that's a great way to do that. But, you know, however you do that, read Galatians 1 this week. And then ask yourself, what traditions have gotten in the way of your relationship with God? You know, maybe it's, you know, I, I really need everything to happen this way. And, and, uh, or maybe it's, you know, whenever you're having communion, if, uh, if Brandon gives the instructions only this particular way, then that's the only way that I can experience God. And if he says I'm wrong, then, then it's all messed up, right? I mean, I don't think my instructions are that important to anyone. But, um, but you know, there are things that we sometimes that we put in front of, of what actually matters. There are preferences that we put in front of, of actually experiencing God. What are those things in your life what are the traditions that get in the way of your relationship with god and then actually take time this week practicing spending time listening to god actually seeking to hear god's voice and uh, you don't have to start big you know move to a monastery or go to the desert of arabia for three years but you might just take one minute just one minute alone and just spend that time listening not talking or anything else but just listen to god and, you know, you, you might not hear anything. In fact, you probably won't most of the time. But here's the thing that I think happens. Whenever we practice listening to God, we may not experience anything in that minute, in that moment. But later on in the day, we find that, that we're more open to the little nudges that we feel. And whenever there's somebody, a coworker that is having a hard day that we would have just kept on walking past, we might find that whenever we spend that time listening, we actually hear that nudge to go and talk to them and find out how they're doing. And as we do that, we we gradually learn to listen better and better so that as we're going throughout our life, we're not just following words on a page, which are important, but not as important as the one that they tell us about. We're actually experiencing life with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for the life of Paul the way that you spoke to him or the way that you changed him. And thank you even that you could take someone as broken and misguided as him and use him to do wonderful and amazing things for you. And I pray that you would speak to us in the same way, that you would guide us, that you would help us. And whenever we are feeling anxious, whenever we are feeling afraid, that you would strengthen and encourage us and help us to know that with you by our side, we can can approach any problem. That we face, We thank you for Jesus, for his death and resurrection for us, and that he taught us even how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.